Welcome to the Unusual Creatures Podcast, a podcast about the unusual creatures that fall in love, stay, stray, come back, and sometimes leave this insane business of artistry and show. Against all odds, our guests have persevered and told stories using their mediums of choice. Now, these are their stories and our stories. The incredible people who you might know by sight, whose names you may not recognize, whose work you've definitely experienced or will one day experience. Art is a ripple effect, and these artists' creativity makes a lasting impact. Let's hear more. Good morning, good evening, good night, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Unusual Creatures Pride Series. My name is Jenny Gomez. And I am the gay Thomas Dane. Just in case there's another Thomas Dane out there who's not gay. Or if he is out there, I am the gayer one. And like, yeah. so just make sure. Tom's the gayest Thomas Dane that there is. Um, happy Pride, well, Tom. My, We're doing it. Happy Pride. How is Pride going for you this month? Um, It's going well. I have unfortunately not participated in too many of the activities. I'm hoping to do that this weekend or next. Um, Pride in my area goes all month, which is lovely. Every weekend in, in Raleigh and Durham, there's a bunch of fun stuff happening. Uh, we have an amazing drag house here in town called the House of Cox. Um, and oh. it is, yeah, they're fabulous. Um, we're oh. very lucky to have our own drag house here in Durham. Um, and there is a little, um, it's, it's, I wouldn't call it a gay bar so much as a very inclusive establishment called the Pinhook. Um, and it's very sort of well known in the South in general for being a safe space oh. for, you know, queer artists to sort of hang out and make music. And there's often really fun dance parties. So I, f- I hope to find myself at the Pinhook very soon. So. Very nice. You know, so, yeah. I would back in the day when I was when I had youth, I would have. I if I had run up into the House of Cox, I would have been. I would have been depressed if I saw drag queens. I would have been like, "What is this? There's no Coxy." <laughs> now I'd be like, "Okay, sure." I'd be yeah, like, oh, "No Cox for me, please." I'd like let my Cox be the drag queen. Thank you. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. Well, that's cool. no. We have uh, we have a good we have a good community here. I'm lucky. That's one of the reasons why I moved to Durham, North Carolina, because there is a beautiful queer contingent here, and I don't think I could live anywhere where there was not that. To be honest. <laughs> Thank you. And we appreciate you for it. Thank you. <laughs> How about you, Tom? Have you made it out and hit the streets yet? Hell no. I'm like, no, no, no. I I send out letters. I, I just throw glitter outside my house. I mean, I play Lady Gaga and Madonna at top volume, you know, and let my neighbors know what's going on. <laughs> Fair enough. I, it's hot. It's hot. And no, I'm gonna I'm gonna do some pride stuff. I just have I've been very busy this month, so I have not I uh, had a chance as of yet, but you know, I'm, I'm, and this, this is part of my pride. This is part of putting out into the world good stuff and good yes. artists and, and pr- out loud and proud artists like our guests today so that the world yes. hears their voices and, and, and they hopefully make a little bit of difference, you know, a little bit of happiness out in the world. I love. I love that, Tom. Well, why don't we? Uh, you are the one that has a wonderful relationship. Although I just found out in our icebreaker yes. session that I have met our guest as well many, many moons ago. Maybe we'll go into that when we'll you had youth. Up. <laughs> when I also had youth, honey, I'm so gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, uh, so uh, I'll let you introduce our lovely guest, and then of course we'll we'll delve into their fantastic story. And I cannot wait. Yes, yes, hey, ladies and gentlemen, today. We have a very special uh, friend of mine on the show, somebody who when, when we thought the, about the inception of this show was one of the first people I thought of 
Um, and the reason he wasn't one of our first guests was because I thought, you know what, let's save him for pride. Because um, he's one of the outest, loudest, gayest, proudest people that I know, and he always has been. And um, uh, <laughs> he's been around for a hot minute as an artist. He's uh, worked in New York. He's modeled. He's a writer. He's an actor, a producer. And he's uh, moved down to Florida a while back and, and brought his art down here for everyone to experience. And uh, yeah, let, let's, just, let's just get to him because I think he's fabulous. Um, please, ladies and gentlemen, welcome Eston Robert Dunn, ladies and gentlemen. Hello, Eston. Hello, 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 hello. A thousand hellos. Hello. <laughs> How are you? Well, Eston, too, real quick, too, because you made it very clear to me that you have two stage names. Can you yes. can you let the audience know why? Well, I'm so old. How old am I? When I cough, I cough it comes up dust. Um, back in the day, oh. I don't leave fingerprints. I'm so old. Um, you couldn't do both. You could you, you, we, we were specialists back then. We were specialists in our art. And so I was an actor. I, I was the triple threat. I acted, I danced, I sang. Oh, then there was the, the quadruple. I also was a writer. So you really couldn't have, you couldn't do all it. Like today you can do anything you want and call yourself whatever you want and people accept it. But back when I was doing this back in the seventies, uh, you didn't do that. So you had to have other names for other skills to be accepted. And so I was, um, I started acting professionally at seven and then at 14, I started writing. And so my English teacher is the one who prompted me to do this. And when he helped me get an agent in New York, he said, well, he can't go under his acting name that he won't be respected. And how old is he? Mm -hmm. Well, okay, we'll give him a name like L. Ron Hubbard. So my name became <laughs> Robert Dunn. So E. Robert Dunn, because my name is Eston Robert Dunn. So Eston Dunn is my stage name that I can use for, you know, acting, singing, all that stuff. And then E. Robert Dunn was born as a pen name uh, to uh, do my writing. The classism begins just so early on in so many aspects of people's lives, as if like, oh, no, writer, you, no writer is taken seriously if they also act, please. In order, in order to be taken seriously, you had to be an elitist of sorts. Yes, but, yeah. But yet, but, yet, but yet, don't look at the writer, but yet be elitist about them, you yes. know, please. And we have our own guild now, yay! <laughs> Yeah, legitimized. We exist. You were seven when you started acting, and fourteen when you started writing, and then you made yes. your way to New York. Where was yes. this when when you started acting? What what you know? Where were you born? Well, I did a lot of regional regional theater, like Summerstock Theater, um, that I got paid. So, I, a, a friend of mine once said, "You're not legitimate unless you're getting paid for it." So I, mm -hmm. I start. I started getting paid in regional theater. Like, oh, what did I do? I did Babes in Arms. I did all the little things that required kids. Mm -hmm. So I started doing that locally. Um, and, and where then, was that? That was uh, Pennsylvania. <laughs> Western Pencil Pennsylvania outside Pittsburgh. Got it, got uh, it. So but, not too far from New York, still in the no, Northeast. No, 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 no. Right, uh, yeah, Northeast. I, I always say I was born in the Midwest, but I had, uh, but I, I was raised in the Northeast. So I have Midwestern values that are slightly tainted by the Northeast. Um, <laughs> Taint. Yeah. Tainted, tainted. And then, yeah, so I migrated from Pittsburgh. I went, my parents sent me to a little uh, conservatory of music in Virginia. And then from there, I made it up to New York. What was life, what was life like as a young Eston? Like, did your parents appreciate you being an artist? Did they could tell right away and, and loved it? Or what was the beginning? Uh, my, my poor parents. My parents, my poor parents. My parents were not prepared for a child like me. Um, they really weren't. Um, they, they just, they, they were like uh, deers, deer in headlights when they looked at me and said, did this came from us? Um, because according to my mother, I was the only one in the entire family like me for every, every generation. So my mother's side of the family were erudite. They were 
doctors and mercantile and lawyers and all that. And my dad's side was blue collar coal miners. Uh, oh, wow. My mother was Republican. My dad was a Democrat. And I think I was the punishment of that union. I came out and it's like, <laughs> hi! I, and neither side of the family, they would just look at me like, who is he? He's not, he's not mentally ill, is he? You know, they just didn't know what to do. So my mother was a patron of the arts. She said, we, you know, we, we, you know, we support them. We just don't become them. But so she would ship me off in buses to go to theater camps and, and dance lessons. I had scoliosis. So instead of having surgery and having a rod, a lightning rod put up my back, my mother, who was a nurse said, no, no, no. And she loved dance. So they put me in ballet. And ballet oh. straightened my back, and from that I oh, wow. danced. And I, I, um, I did some sports. I mean, I was in uh, basketball. The I, I, I was, I wasn't an athlete. I was an athletic supporter. No, um, <laughs> so, you were a jo- you were a jockstrap before I you was knew a jockstrap. I'll get that for you, sir. No. Um, <laughs> So I know I, I, I come from an athletic family. My dad played football. My mother was tennis and that. But, but I, I did do some basketball, but I was taking ballet at the time. So when I would jump up to do a hoop shot, I did it like, you know, ballet style. And the kids made fun of me. It didn't matter that I got the hoop. It, they, it was more important that they made fun of me of how I got the hoop. So sure, sure, I, sure, sure. Of course, because that was the priority of the game was to make fun of somebody. So oh, I God. stopped sports because of that which ironically Aww. later on in my career, I became an exercise physiologist because uh, I was very athletic, uh, but dance was my, ath- my, my, you know, what I did as an athlete. Sure. Dance. <clears throat> so that's got me into dance. And then um, since I left sports, I got into the drama club and you know, choir and all. For yeah. people who don't know, because they can't see you, you are, when you say people look at you like, what do we do with him? <laughs> to add insult to injury for poor Eston, he's like 6'9". How, how tall are you, Eston? You're like, I'm 6'4". I'm 6'4". You're 6'4". Six six Eston four. is huge. Yeah. So like you got, like, I, I, what you were saying, like, we didn't know what to do with him. It's like, because we, how tall were you when you were playing sport? Like, did you six. just grow right away? I, yeah, I was always, I can't, my mother screamed for years because it was more of me coming out of her. I, I was like, I, I was a week early. I was nine, nine. I think I was 20 some inches. I don't know if that's, I was huge. By the time I was one year old, I was 30 pounds. She was like, she said, I can't, carry this, I can't carry this baby on my hip any longer. So she got a red wagon and pulled me behind her. I looked like a little wrestler. I still have I have stretch marks on my face, on my cheeks because my cheeks were so big. Um, and then I became anorexic. That fixed that. Um, so, oh my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was I was a very big baby, I w- and I was premature. I mean, a week, but still, my mother said, if you stayed any longer, I would never have gotten out. Um, <laughs> and I was a posterior transverse. I came out with my feet first, kicking, going, no, I don't oh, want to come out. No. So they went in with forceps and forced me out. No. Oh my God! You are poor. You know what? I if I was your mother, I would have hated you too. Well, every, every, <laughs> seriously, every, every every single year for my birthday at eleven forty four, when I was born, I would get a phone call. You know what I was doing now? And then she'd name like the birthday. You know, twenty years ago, twenty one years ago, forty years ago. No, mom, what were you doing? Screaming because <laughs> she was in labor forever for me, I, and she almost died having me. Actually. Oh my! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God! Yeah, yeah. Then you know oh she called God. me one Just of her drama from the start. Drama. Then they wondered <laughs> why I, you know, I always my yeah. hands would go up in the air and you know and go ah yeah 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 yeah. But I I was I, I had a difficult we had a difficult pregnancy. I was there too. There was a difficult pregnancy. I was a DES yeah. baby. Um, it was that enzyme they used to give women who didn't produce enough progesterone. And Ooh. then years later they found out all these birth defects. <laughs> 
So maybe that's why I'm dyslexic and have dyscalculi. I don't know. She used to say I was gay mm-hmm. because of that, but then I have two brothers that also have were DES babies and they were as straight as arrows. So that that went out the window. Yeah. But yeah, I, I yeah, had trauma absolutely. from the beginning. From the beginning. From the beginning. All of these years, all of these oh years God. knowing you, I, I've never known this story. And now I'm sitting here, I'm like, oh, it all makes sense now. Puzzles. <laughs> pieces to puzzles. Pieces to puzzles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People are going to hear this and be like, oh, okay, I get it. Get it now. Get it. Get it. Get it. Get it. We understand. Yes. Now we understand. All my exes will go, damn, if I had just known that, I would have stayed. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Oh gosh. I can like picture you as this very tall child just running yes, around. I, I mean, you I must just have just been. No, I was too. I was a giraffe. Picture Bambi on ice. Um, I was just this tall, geeky, lanky, unrefined diamond in the rough. And then when after ballet, I became, you know, statuesque and they gave, that gave, you know, more reason to pick on me because I wasn't slouching like everybody else was in the seventies, you know, in their seats. And I would walk down the hall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone say, "Oh, you're prancing." I'm like, "No, I'm called walking." You're the one who's sloshing there. <laughs> when you went into the arts, did you immediately find a place to put all that? Did you? Did, did it hit you like, "Oh, this is where this all this this is where I belong." This did, I, it, did I, it give you a home? Yeah, it did. It did. I, it gave me a shelter from the storm that I was in every day. I mean, I couldn't wait to get to uh, choir or drama. Uh, or do my dance classes afterwards ever because it just it gave me a place to be normal and I fit in because you know when you're younger you everyone seeks a tribe and I found my little tribe in in, in the rest of the geeks we were all the, we were the you know the island of misfit toys you know we all we all just found each other and it gave me a place to finally blossom and I think my mom and dad finally went oh thank god because my mom and dad loved me I mean my relatives maybe never really did or got me but my mom and dad always regardless of everything they were always beside me I think I got the lion's share of the family gene pool in that regard. Because um, my, my dad was picked on. My mom were picked on because they were the youngest in their family and they were the outcasts. My mom and dad were unique for the area that we grew up in. They were not bigots. They were not prejudiced. We were the family that had multicultural friends. Ours was the house where everyone came. Uh, mom and dad, my mom and dad were very open minded. Um, my mom was conservative, but she was a liberal in the way that she saw you know, how we all were supposed to get along. She was a born again Christian. So she believed do unto others as you would do unto others, you know, treat others. Like she was very, she believed in that. And we were raised in that. The actual, the actual teachings of yes. Jesus. Yes. yes. The really actual did. ones that people yeah. follow. Yes. She, she walked yes. the walk. She did. She really, did. she said, you know, it's not hard. It's really easy. It's, you know, Christianity is very simple. You know, treat each other with respect, get along, don't judge. That's for someone a little bit higher up in your pay grade and just get along. And unless someone is doing something that's, you know, like murder or whatever, but she also was a a psych nurse. So she was always behind the psychology of why people did things. But anyways, we were raised in a very open, open and family. So I think that's why I thrived at home. It was just getting from the home to the school back home that the debt journey was tough. And then I had relatives that I didn't get along with and cousins who picked on me mercilessly and actually would torment me in school with the other tormentors you'd think my cousins would stand beside me they, they turned on me and they also you know family Aww. secrets you know they would whisper things in the other bullies ears and then they would use that against me so i didn't even have that when we go to family reunions i hated them but my, within my home <laughs> oh. within my home the four walls of my house yes it was it i, I thrived in fact my you had mom a safe and dad, space 
Yeah. yeah. And even though my dad, God bless my father, he was a walking calculator. He was so analytical. Um, he didn't even know how to show emotions. Talk about data on Star Trek. I was raised by a Vulcan. We, he was military Navy. You know, we had inspections. Our hair had to be a certain way. Shoes had to be shined. And then my mother being a charge nurse, our beds had to be made a certain way. You know, no, no. So we were raised in a very structured german esh you know, uh, Spartan household. But even within that environment, when I'd say, dad, I want to do this, he'd say, fine. And he'd find the money and we, he would always support me. He didn't understand it, but he would go to my concerts. He would go to my recitals. He, he even took me to the prep school that I went to, to for the arts. He said, we'll find a way. Um, my mother tried, Ooh. but she had other responsibilities as a nurse taking care of relatives. But yeah, at least I had that. And with that, I had two younger brothers. I think that's what made it good was that I was the eldest um, my two younger brothers didn't know any other way but to support me. And to this day, we're still close because of that. Because my mom and dad said, <laughs> my dad, God bless my dad. He had this finger, he'd point his finger at us. If I ever hear, and he would say that to my, if I ever hear that you turn on your brother, you would have me to face. And so we, we were locked yeah. in. And my mom said, if you, know, if you ever do any of this, I'll come back to haunt you. So we just kind of grew up. As our little, you know. And even though my brothers were normal and they fit in, they didn't fit in with our relatives or the area just because of our ideals and how we talked and right. how we respected. We said, ma'am and sir and yes and no. And and we, we were the last family in our church to stop wearing suits. My mother was the last woman to stop wearing gloves and hats. Um, we, you know, we wow. just didn't fit in. We just didn't fit in. But then when I got to New York, well, D.C. first and then New York. Then it was like, oh, this is what the rest of the world's like. It's nothing like that little backward time warp I came from. Oh, my God. God yeah. Well, actually, the irony and this is I mean, this this through line is uh, this is I mean, being an outcast, being a black sheep, being a freak or a geek like this is something that I think so many of us feel as artists. And then yeah, moving to a city where you find your oasis. Yeah. Where you find your oasis has certainly been, and I, but and I, and I wonder, and this is something that we've been exploring too on this podcast is like, is like I think New York might actually be the antithesis. I think so many people come from those little podunk backwards, we'll call it quote unquote podunk backwards places that might be more of the world, and then we just it's just that they're constant, and you know the cities just seem so big. How did you get there? So you're you're doing you're doing dance, you're doing this, you're seven, you're fourteen, you get you're doing writing. What what brought you? Was it college? Um, Was it just like I'm going? What? Well, okay. So how do I do this timeline? Uh, <laughs> so uh, I had I had two very special teachers, and so this is why I have the highest regard for teachers, and they're the ones that should be making six figures a year. The, Another theme on this show: yes, if they, if you they, follow the usual yes, teachers, yes, we are teacher yes, lovers. Yes. yes, teachers save save children's yes. lives. So uh, two teachers, two primary teachers saved my life. Charlene Neglich, who was my drama and my choral instructor, and Robert um, Myers, Bob Myers, who was my English professor, a teacher. Um, Bob Myers had gone to Juilliard, and he came back to Mount Pleasant, Pennsylvania. Yes, I'm giving it a dig, which is not a very pleasant mount when I was growing up, um, because his mother was, I think his mother was ill, and he came back to take care of his mother. And he had a nephew who was also very much like Bob, who was in the arts. Anyways, he was my teacher, and he he was very impressed with my writing style. And he said, I got to get you out of here, otherwise you're not going to make it, because I had already had one suicide attempt. And he said, I got to get you out of here. So he made a phone call to New York, and he sent my stuff to a friend who sent it to an agent. Now, they didn't say my age. 
and all they had said is, here's a friend of a friend who's writing, wants to break into the business. What do you think? Would you like to represent him? And back, this is back in the day. This is 70. Oh my God. I was 14. How old was I? That was 74, 1970. No, no, no. 76, something like that. I don't know. It was back in the mid seventies. And, um, I guess you could do those things back then. So we said, yeah, I like him. I think I'd like to, he goes, okay, he needs a parental uh, signature because he's 14, but you already said yes. So you're going to take yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. Agent. I got dirt on you. So he took a, this agent, um, took a risk with me and um, that's how I got into the writing thing. And, but I was still too young to move to New York. Um, so in the interim, I did like summer stock theater. I did the Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania's uh, governor's school, of the arts for a summer. So I did, I did my craft until I graduated at 18 um, and then my parents sent me to a little preparatory conservatory for a year because I just didn't feel like I was ready for a major university coming from a small town with a small town limited education. So I went there for a year. But during that year, which I specialized in uh, performance arts, which meant singing, acting and dancing, which groomed a lot of us for New York um, or even sometimes some of them went to Chicago. In fact, some of my friends were in the movie Fame. They were actually, they went to that school and they were actually in the movie and I met them. And so they, uh, they kind of like started helping me get into the city in little doses. So I'd go up for a weekend, I'd go up for a summer. Um, and I finally got an apartment. My mother's best friend had a foster son who was a commercial um, designer. And so he had a little extra room. So I would stay with him when I go up for auditions. Um, and so that's how I got into New York very slowly. Um, I always say I arrived by plane, sure. not by bus. And uh, I stayed. I, couple, <laughs> I stayed for a couple summers up there until I was able to kind of wing it. Now, meanwhile, with all this is going on, New York is a great oasis for us freaks. But damn, is it hard! It is a it is a cannibalistic mm-hmm. yeah. world as far as getting in and getting your break. Um, it is yeah. totally. Uh, it's 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 downright cruel, and I wish we would have a different way of how we approach arts and the artists in this country, like we do with doctors and lawyers. There, you know, there is this like way to do it. There's a network. There's a pathway. There's a support system. We artists are like, you're an actor, go out there and do it. You know, good luck. And then there's other all the- countries. Yeah, other yeah, countries do. do. Yes, they do. Like, I, I, we, do. Yeah. You know- we don't. We're, well, think about our society as a whole, nothing against America, but we are a cannibalistic society that's fear-based. We will eat our young yeah. for profit. So um, that's what you're thrust And very in individualistic, with. too. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, you're thrown in there with just, you know, your troubles in your old kit bag, and, you know, you, you hope you catch somebody's eye, and it's not a predator. Luckily, I was spotted, because I'm six foot four by um, a talent agent who also did modeling. So I got into a talent modeling agency and I was doing more modeling than acting at the time because I was tall. I go on a stage and they go, we already have a Tommy Toon. Next, next. We don't want another Tommy (laughs) Toon. I hated Tommy Toon. I never met the man, but I hated him. And you were at this point, I mean, you never were not gay. Like you didn't pretend to not be gay. Like you were a gay open actor or. I guess you could say yes. I I guess this is where I I, I think, what is gay? I'm Aston. I'm just me. Um, yes, I'm attracted sexually to men, but that's one tenth of who I am. I'm, I'm a man. I'm, uh, I'm a son. I'm a brother. I'm all these other things. But yes, mm-hmm. if you ask me who I'm physically attracted to and all that, yes, it's, it's someone of my own gender. But it doesn't mean I don't like women. I can find I find women attractive. It's just not in a sexual way. Sure. You know, I find women as be- they're beautiful, beautiful creatures, beautiful, unusual creatures. Um, <laughs> they really are. I, I some of my best my, my best friend. Our women. My mother was a woman, you know. So it's not like like that. So I, you know, when someone would say, "Are you gay?" I'd say, "Yes, I'm very happy." Sometimes I get depressed too. You know, it's what are you asking me? 
you know, that, that's not what this is about, right? I'm going to audition for a job. What does it matter? Mm-hmm. You know, so I, that's just how I express myself. So I guess you can say in that regard, yes. In fact, I do have a kind of have a funny story about my brother, Bill. Can, can I tell this story about this? Is it with this? Sure. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So if you ever met my brother, Bill, Bill is, oh, Bill, Bill is the ideal man. He is the all the all all-purpose athlete. You give him a ball and he can do anything with it. Bill was the mm-hmm. son that my mother and father were meant to have. They knew what to do with Bill. They knew. No, they knew. Because my father played football. You know, they knew what to do with Bill. And Bill is as big, you know, in his in his day, he had like a 50-inch chest and a 32-inch waistline. You know, he's a football player eventually. And he's just this big hulk of a man. Gentle bear inside and sometimes a little too simple. But, you know, he's just, he's a great guy. So Bill was, uh, he was in arena football. It, which is not the, it's not the NFL. It's the, the just below that. Anyways, he had knee problems. Mm-hmm. He make the NFL. Anyways, so he was on this, like, I, I want to say tour. That sounds so theater. He was on this football tour. So he, they were playing, what do you call that? <laughs> teams go from place to place and play games with other, well, is that a tour? Whatever that is. He was on one of those. And he was in West Palm playing with a guy. I don't know. This, this is how gay I am, right? It's like, we, do you use a bat with that sport? Um, so he was down. He was down playing. He's <laughs> out hoop? A hoop? What is, what's involved in that? So anyways, yeah, he, was, yeah. he played the game. And we met up at the Jan McArt um, Cabaret Bar in Boca Raton. And he, okay. came, he came down to visit me. And I, I was living in Boca at the time. So we all met up there with my friends. And we're sitting in this bar. And because my the way we are raised, we... We don't shy away from physical touch. So my brother's sitting beside me with his arm around me, you know, and I'm, you know, touching his thigh from time to time because we're brothers. I'm leaning on him. We're laughing. We're not thinking anything of it, but I guess other people are watching us. So my brother gets up to go to get me, get drinks for us. And this guy leans over and goes, my God, where did Jolanta hunk like that? (laughs) So me being me, you know me, Tom, I said, well, he's my brother. My mother doesn't mind because there's no children involved. Well, of course, the look on the guy's face was like, oh my God. So (laughs) Bill comes back and I tell Bill this story and he leans in. He goes, really? So he gives me this big kiss. The guy guy just faints. But that's kind of like how I was raised, you know. My, yeah. I was raised in an affectionate family, um, you know. God uh, forbid, God forbid, you were raised. God you know? forbid, right? God forbid, you should hug your brother if you're a man and tell your brother that you love him. Right. God forbid, you should do that. I wasn't raised in that world. That's not the world I was raised in. In my family, we we freely talked about our emotions and we freely expressed them. Um, so I guess that's how I when I do that with others that comes off as quote unquote gay. Um, yeah. Okay. So yes, I guess I've always been gay. Uh, people knew I was gay before I was gay. I've, you know, Tom, when I was younger, I was called fag and faggot. Well, I'm part British. I'm only third generation American. So I would go home to my mom and dad and go, mom, dad, why are people calling me a cigarette or a bundle of twigs? I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand what that means. You know, <laughs> I, I don't smoke. And do, am I that thin that I look like I'm a bundle of twigs? And, I didn't understand the slang at the time because I, those words for me were not gay. They were a, a cigarette was a fag because I had relatives that give me a fag or light up my fag. And I knew a faggot as a bundle of twigs. Later sure. on, I found out that's why they call uh, gays flaming faggots because when they were burning us at the stake, they would throw, say, throw another faggot on the fire. So that's where flaming faggot comes from. So I found Jeez. that out. In case people, you know, I only I only learned that history lesson a few years ago from a straight female friend, and she was like, you know, she's like, it made me sick, and I, I to learn that, 
And I was like, true. I was like, I, I, I'm glad to know it, but I'm like, how, how just so everybody knows why these words hurt. Just yes. so everybody knows, yeah, you yeah. know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was, so you, yeah, so I was called that from a young age. So you, you know, but when you're in New York and back in that time, um, it, to, so you, you just didn't, you were not going to play that game of like, well, I'm not going to not be me. So if it's going to be well, an issue, no, then. Because I'm an actor, so I can play a straight role if I need to. I can play a bisexual. If, if sexuality is a part of a character, it's part of a character. You become that, you know, uh, many non-gay uh, male actors have won awards for playing gay actors. I mean, it, it, sure. it, you, I'm an actor. I'm playing a part. But also, don't forget, this is during the AIDS epidemic. So, uh, yeah, here's my luck. <laughs> I step off the plane in New York City and boom, there's the AIDS epidemic. And so if you were gay or identified as gay, you couldn't get hired because the project could not get insurance. One of the reasons oh. why I came to Florida. So that's how bad it was. Yeah, I, would, Have you ever watched the, uh, the, the miniseries called uh, Pose? Mm-hmm, yeah. That, oh, that, yes. that, that, yeah. I was there. I wasn't doing the posing. I was the I was in the background watching it all go on because I'm not a I'm not transgender. I'm not a drag queen. That's not how I express myself. But I, I was at those clubs and sure. I remember voguing. Well, we called it stand and modeling. Thank you, Madonna, for taking that from us. Um, it became vogue. That's a funny. Hey now. Hey now. Hey now. It's true. So that that's what we did. We used to do. I do that between New York and D.C. I that was my life. So when I got into New mm-hmm. York which was, I think, the latter part of the, the series when people started dying of AIDS-related causes and being you know, thrown in dumpsters or they had the mass uh, graves out on the island. That was my reality in mm. New York. So to try to get work in New York was difficult, even if you were perceived as gay, even if you were perceived. But I would not go mm. underground because I, I, you know, I'm a Christian. Thou shalt not tell a lie. I cannot lie about who I am. So I, my integrity and my authentic self, I just couldn't do that to a girl. I could not do that to uh, another person to lie and deceive them and play a part for somebody else's reasons. I just couldn't do that. So no, but that's one reason why I came to Florida back in 84 was because it was so bad. I couldn't go to another funeral Mm -hmm. or another memorial uh, or nor could we be in a show that was going to be canceled or delayed because somebody died. And so did the other. And people were, I mean, just because when people, I think it's, uh, we've come such a long way, but I feel like a generation does not really truly understand what that was like. In a way, that's a blessing, but in a way, it's going to be their biggest curse because they don't understand that it's still out there and the risks are real and PrEP does not, does not say all it does is damage your liver and your kidney just because you don't want to wear a condom. Put on, uh, put on the glove, honey. Then you can have all the love you want. You don't have to worry about killing yourself prematurely. Yeah. It's everyone thinks right. pills is the answer and it's not the answer. There are consequences and side effects to everything. Some good, some bad. Uh, but yeah, in a way, I, I, I don't want anyone to ever go through that horror again. It was a war. It sounds like too. It was bad. I didn't think until you were just talking uh, how it affected everybody who lived. Yeah, I well, I lost fourteen friends. Tonight. I have survivor's remorse. I, I think I have PTSD a little bit of that too, because when you watch, they well, were yeah. so young, Tom. They were so so young, and they looked so so old when I when you held their hand and they took their last breath. Not to get morose and bring this down, but it was bad. I mean, these young, vital, like one, like one the month before they were dancing and had beautiful bodies, and then. A month, two months later, they were these withered, you know, like zombified creatures like you see on The Walking Dead. It was just horrible. Uh, to, and I kept, I, I used to say that at the funerals, they're just so young. He was only 24. He was only 22. He was only 21. 
you know, or, or my older friends who were in their 40s and 50s at the time when they passed, it, it, you know, it was just too young, too young. Um, but yeah, that's that's what it was like when I went to New York. So to get work was was very difficult. We banded together as best we could and tried to do what we could do together, but the funds weren't there. And the prejudice was our biggest enemy, even within our own community, even within sure. the theater community. Uh, it was bad. So yeah, it was tough. Back then, that was tough. New York was a blessing, but it was also... Um, a curse in some ways, I guess. It wasn't uh, what I was supposed to be. I came down to Florida with the agency that I was with. They decided to open an agency here because back in the 80s, uh, Universal, not Universal, uh, MGM Studios was supposed to open up in Fort Lauderdale, a production studio down here where Weston is now. In Hollywood, um, in Hollywood, Florida. Well, in the Weston, you know, we're Weston, the city of Weston. That was supposed to be MGM Studios and Arvita was the development property for that as I understood it. And in the divorce from Disney, Arvida came to South Florida and Disney got Lake Buena Vista and then made, you know, the whole theme park, another theme park. So we were down here in preparation for that. But then when that didn't happen, I had transferred to FAU and I'd spent like $10,000 to move to Florida and I had no more money. And um, so I was in school, it was the middle semester and the agency's like, we're pulling up stakes because it ain't happened. We're going back to New York. And I said, well, I can't go right now. And my agent at the time said, you've got a choice, your career, or your education. So guess which one I chose? Because my mother was like, if you, if you, mm. so I chose my education. They tore up my contract and I stayed in Florida and finished my education. And I had the student loan debt to prove it. So that's how I, I got oh, to Florida God. and why I'm still kind of trapped stayed here in Florida. Yeah. So it was difficult. Yeah. So what, and, what, where did you get? Yeah. What did you get your degree in? And oh, then yeah. what was the moment after you got out of school that you were like, well, I, well, we're here, we're in Florida, we're, we're trapped down here in this cultural wasteland. Um, <laughs> yes. What do I, uh, wh- how do I, how do I create while I'm down here? Well, uh, so uh, I got, yeah. I, I, I was a double major because, of course, <laughs> I love to hurt myself. Uh, I have, I cut myself to feel no. So I, yeah. I, I was a, well, you couldn't minor at FAU at the time. So I had, I got an, a BFA in fine arts and communications, which involved television. And then I also got a degree in exercise science and wellness preventive medicine. Because my mother said, you would have loved my mother. She was Joan Crawford wrapped in Donna Reed's body with the pearls and everything. So she, I was, I'm nearly graduating with my BFA. And she says, Esten, you, my darling, my, my angel, my miracle child, you are a great actor and you are a great performer, but how are you going to pay your bills? Because <laughs> my dad was worked in the steel mills and he had been laid off for 10 years and there was no money under Reaganomics. So my mom mm. and dad are like, we can't help you. There's no money anymore. My trust fund was liquidated. Um, we almost lost our house. It was horrible. So there was nothing. I was totally on my own. So she goes, what are you going to do once you graduate to pay back your student loans, but also live? unless you move back to Pennsylvania. And it was like, why did you just slap me in the face? So I said, no, there's nothing else I can do. You know, I was an artist. I can't do anything else. I'm an artist. I breathe on my art. And she goes, what else can you do? There's something else you can do. And I go, I'm not doing anything else, but I teach aerobics in the rec center. She goes, can't you get a degree in teaching aerobics? I went, mother, there's no such thing. You know, this is when I was dramatic. When? <laughs> when yeah. With dramatic pause insert now. So, <laughs> so she said, would you do your mother a favor so I can sleep at night and go look into it? Well, by damn, that woman was a witch. She knew, somehow she knew that they had this brand new degree called exercise science. So I investigated it. And part of that involved aerobic training, weight training, all the stuff that I was doing on my own because I'm gay and you can never be too thin. 
So I had to get my body fat down, you know, to be attractive to other men, because if you're not perfect, you're flawed. So I said, okay. So I enrolled in this, this degree and I stayed on another four years and I got my, my bachelor's in exercise science. And that's actually what's kept me alive because it's of that exercise science degree that I've actually gotten work in healthcare and in education uh, because my fine arts degree really didn't do much unless you have a master's in fine arts, you're not respected as a director or whatever. So um, that's how I got my two degrees. Later on, I went and got my master's in health science. And mm-hmm. I, did, I, did, I never made enough money to go back to New York or move to L.A., because uh, to move there, you needed money. I didn't have that. And I didn't know if I really wanted, you know, because, again, now we're into the 90s. The AIDS epidemic is still thriving. And I'm like, why do I want to go back to that? Everyone I know is dead. Both my agents are dead. 13 of my best friends, everybody I knew with, act with, dance with, they're all gone. I'd have to start fresh. And now I'm in my 30s going into New York. And I, I just, so I didn't, I made that decision to stay here in Florida uh, because of that. Plus things were starting to slowly change in Florida then artistically, um, mm-hmm. not at the rate that I would have liked it to, but it was slowly changing. But um, that's why. I so chose then what? So then. So. So what did you. So you're like, all right, I'm doubling down on Florida. Great. Yeah. Uh, now, what can I do here to be part of the change? So what I did is um, I started getting involved in local theater and doing my best as I could uh, to uh, have new original works of art. Everyone wanted to do 42nd Street for the 48th time. And I'm like, um, not only, <laughs> I can't do that as an artist. I can't. So I tried to do some of that. Um, I started a nonprofit called Arts United. Um, we started to do little uh, incubator projects. They went more into cool. art that's put on the wall. I started another nonprofit called Wow Charities that's now more about performance art. You know, And then just kind of collaborating with other lost souls like myself who had the same story. And I said, well, why don't we come together and we'll farm our own thing? Tom and I have done several uh, projects. Uh, every year we did a thing called Staged. It was a, a fundraiser for Wow Charities, but it also was a platform for up and coming and struggling playwrights that were local to get their work seen and fight theater people come in, you know, the people, the powers that be and say, which one of these would you maybe want to take a chance on in your next season? Mm-hmm. Uh, I know I you love doing, that. Well, we tried to do that, but a lot of the theaters were like, Oh no, it won't make money. It's like, yeah. why don't you give it a chance? Now more and more today, you'll see some like the foundry does that in Wilton manners. They'll take chances of unknown works of art or up and coming works. Yeah. Of art. Uh, but a lot of the bigger houses still won't take the chance. They're still doing cabaret and they're still doing, you know, West Side Story and all the stuff that we're like, not only have I seen it on Broadway, not only have I done it in a regional theater, I have it on DVD and I have the soundtrack. Can I, can we do something else? Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what, I, that's what I've been doing. I've been, and I've been trying to network with other regional th- theaters and other areas with my plays. I started mm-hmm. writing. So we wrote a play and it was called Lip Sync. Uh, it was the first play that I actually really, really wrote, collaborated. It made it all, it made it all the way up to New York in the Spotlight Theater Festival. It was, oh. it was in the Fringe of the Fringe Festival in Toronto, Canada. A friend of mine did a reading in uh, the Lex in West Hollywood. So we got around. It got some, it got some tread. But the local theaters poo-pooed it because they didn't know who I was. And I'm like, mm-hmm. uh, okay, um, uh, we, I just saw you at the bar last week. We talked, we chatted. And like, you know, <laughs> I know you were, I, you know, we were at that party that had you know, blue lighting. No, anyways, <laughs> that I saw anything, not that I would say anything, but so anyways, I got snubbed by the local community, but it did well outside of here. Um, and then I just started writing and writing and writing and writing. Um, well, that's what I was going to say, um, to bring it to your other career, which you have, 
all this time you're writing, you're writing plays and you've written yourself all the way into, to be E Robert Dunn, yeah, your I, other, I, I, other personality. Let's yes. talk a little bit about that. So E Robert Dunn was born at age 14 when I first got my first agent, like I mentioned before. And, and what a godsend. That was a, a simpler time. So my agent negotiated speculation writing rights for shows like Space 1999, Battlestar Galactica, and Buck Rogers in the 25th century um, oh, wow. for, the, for the next season. Well, some of those seasons didn't happen. Or if the season happened, they changed the way in which they wanted the show to go. So I still had all those scripts. And my agent said, you know, what the hell? Stop writing for somebody else's universe. Create your own damn universe and write about what you know. If you knew Dennis, you would have loved Dennis. Um, he was a typical New Yorker. Just talked from the up. I loved him. He, there was he, he, there was no bullshitting with Dennis. He just told you like it was, which I appreciated because he would say that sucks. Write it again. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so I, I had all these speculation scripts. So I combined them into my own universe, which eventually became Echelon's End. Um, Echelon's End is a science fiction book series I wrote initially based on those script ideas. Of course, I changed the names and the characters and all that stuff. But I kept the situation in which I had put those characters in, but I changed it to uh, be my characters in my universe, inspired by Lost in Space. Um, I love that. It's about a refugee family of utopians that are trying to find a new place in the universe to live after their world is destroyed by invading, um, invading Nemesis, which is a bigoted culture based on very similar our values reproduce 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 if you're not reproducing you're not having babies you're not you know you shouldn't you shouldn't live so uh they invade this utopia because they like the utopia but they don't have the mindset to build their own so they take and then of course they destroy you can't take something that you don't know because you'll destroy it so there Mm -hmm. is this refugee family that is trying to find a new place to call home and they're finding out the universe is not a friendly place. So there are 14 mm. books in the series. The first wow. the half of that, about half of that is based on those scripts. And then oh, the other wow. half has been springboarded from where I, for where the story took me. I always joke and say, I'm not a writer. I'm just a reporter. I, I, I just report what I see. You start writing and then the you know, characters and the situations have a life of their own. And a short story becomes a 14 book series. So, <laughs> so I've written 14 books in that series. There are two books wow. in Sidequill called Planet Strike, which is about the war that was going on while my characters are off trying to find a new home. So I guess you could say that 16 books related to that one idea. And then we were talking about in the icebreaker. I do have, actually, I'm a part of three anthologies, Tom. I don't know if you know that. I wrote an anthology of short science fiction stories called Unparallel. Mm. And then I was a contributing writer to another anthology series. Um, it's called uh, Detours Through Luminal, Through Luminal Space. Um, it uh, was put out by David Warner and David Berger back in the mid-2000s. I also was a contributing writer to um, a fan-based Star Trek um, series. Yeah, I want to hear about that a little bit. Your your dip into the Roddenberry yes. universe. I actually I legitimized. I'm a legitimate writer. So um, a friend, again, friend of a friend. It's all who you know, who you blow in this business. So a friend <laughs> of mine, somebody who knew me, knew somebody who was involved in this project, Star Trek Odyssey, and they needed, so they wanted some contributing writers for their season one finale webisode. So I, I, I kind of did that. I was, I was actually featured in Starlock Magazine, January two thousand eight. Mm-hmm. Um, so, just in case you want to know, 
Just in case yeah. you want to know, it's on page 89, Beyond Hidden Frontiers. Just in case I wrote it down. Just in case you <laughs> so, yeah. So I've kind of dipped my toe several times. And as my friends have said, you've almost made it uh, so many times. But then something came and pulled the rug out from under me. And that's just been mm. my... I'm I'll be 60. I'm 59, but I'll be 60 in April. But that's been my career. I get to the door. I hope the door opens and then the, the, the doormats pulled out from under me and I get thrown oh. back. Um, that's been my, been my life. Um, but you keep going. You keep going. What makes you, what makes you keep showing up at the door again? Like, I think what, I keep, what? I keep hitting my head in the concrete. So I, I have a little bit of amnesia <laughs> and, and I keep, it's like women in childbirth. They forget how painful it is, which is why they go through it again. And right. every time they say, I'll never do this again. And every time I do it again, I think it's just in your DNA because, you know, I think one of the things you asked me, you know, you sent me that uh, list of questions um, about like, why did I choose the arts or did it choose me? I, I, I think no one chooses to be an artist. The art chooses them. You just, it's like no one wants to be a hero, but you're, you're just chosen to be a hero. It's in your DNA. Um, and in a way it's been my, my um, coping skill, you know, a healthy coping skill. It's been my therapy. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's a hostile world. And I hate when people say, mm -hmm. well, yeah, that's just the way it is. No, that's the way we make it. We can make mm -hmm. this world any way we want to, but we choose to make it that way. We are, very, like I said, yeah. we're cannibalistic. We really are horrible to each other. Look at how people drive on I-95. They, <laughs> <laughs> they, they don't even know how to merge. Uh, bicyclists drive into the traffic. People just cross the road anywhere. I mean, it's like, it's just like, wow. Um, it's a hostile world. But um, I don't know. Like, I guess because I wasn't good at math or management or sales, um, those are my gifts. Um, you know, the finesse to imagine and talk about the possibilities of what if. I always used to think, you know, I'm a wordsmith, you know, maybe a, you know, a storyteller, an illusionist, you know, like, uh, or even a magician, like the old storytellers that sat around campfires, you know, talking to the next generation of what happened, but then also what could be. That's just how I've always envisioned or justified or understood why I keep coming back. Yeah. Um, you know, because I, I, I worked in healthcare, I now work in education, and as fulfilling as they are, because they sure don't pay well, um, <laughs> You know, uh, every time I get up in front of a stay, um, uh, a class to teach, it's improv. Right. I, I become this persona, like what the one I'm giving you now. This is this is a version of Esten. Esten is really a, a very quiet, private, shy, insecure, anxiety-ridden individual. So to get, <laughs> lift my head off True. the pillow. <laughs> no, because Tom has seen it. In fact, I could still see your jaw drop. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> Remember well, no, I said that because what, what because um when we were doing the stage reading series, um the one thing he doesn't like to do is introduce the whole thing. I mean, it's his company. Wow, it's his company. He's put this whole thing together. You know, so you're supposed to do the curtain speech. Well, he gets. I mean, he's boisterous and loud. We're in the dressing room, but girl, he gets out on the stage. Hi, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for coming. If you'd like to give us some money, and, and, and oh, okay, thank you so. Oh, thank you so. All right, bye, bye. Thanks. It's like. What the fuck just happened? <laughs> yeah, I, 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 yeah, blah, 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 and I, you know, that's why I hate auditions. I babble. I'm just horrible. I'm, I'm terrible at first dates. I just, I, I, I just have horrible at crushing anxiety. I can become paralyzed. But if you give me a part, I'll do it. Right. But don't ask me to audition. Don't, don't just give me the part. Trust me, I will do the work. Um, I've always been like that. I, I think it's just because, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm hearing faggot. I'm hearing you're not good enough. I, not my family, but everybody else, the crowd, you mm -hmm. know, I still have those voices in my head screaming, even though I had years of therapy. Um, 
but yeah, and I think what happens like when I would like, you know, intimately when you meet somebody, they either meet the real Esten and then then Esten comes out and they're like, what the hell was that? And they, 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 they can't handle that. You know, the genie got out of the lot. Or they meet the bolsterist one. And then when we're private, I become Esten. And they're like, mm-hmm. are you mad at me? No. Why are you so quiet? Because I'm a quiet individual. No, you're not. Yes, I am. I've seen that actually with a lot of artists, particularly actors. Like that's the thing. They're most comfortable being somebody else. So it's like, oh, give me the character. Give me the character to write. Give me the character to be just so I can be anything but me. Yeah. And that's why they're so good at at the, at the chameleon. And it's not that I don't like or love me. I'm just so protective of me because for a long, long time, I've had to be my own champion. I, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm dating someone now, but for the majority of my adult life, I was a single male. <laughs> this, far, this far down the line, what is your, um, what, what do you see as like your biggest reward, your most rewarding experience as an artist? Uh, is there one in particular? Is there... Uh, where you're like, oh, this is something I look back on, or this was like, yes, I almost made it. Maybe it didn't happen, but I still loved this moment. Like, is there one in particular? Oh, well, there's been there's been a cup. I you know, I guess you could say you live long enough. There's there's not just one moment. I, I there's been several moments where I've had like the almost, oh, I'm almost there. I'm I'm going to make it. Oh, or I'm with this this. Uh, I I can't believe that I'm acting with this person. So I I have you know a couple of now for me they're 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 special to me. I don't know if they'd be special to anybody else just because of my experience. Um, of course, being on this podcast is one of the major ones. Oh. Of course, <laughs> oh, yeah. To be of asked to be amongst these hallowed people that you are. But for me, because um, I, I think I mentioned before when I was younger, I, I wrote some speculation script for one of the shows was a British show put up by Jerry Anderson, who was like the British version of Irwin Allen. It was called Space 1999. So I somewhat kept in touch with the people that were behind the scenes of all that for a couple of years. And I, I've been invited to several of their anniversary get together, one of which was in England at Pinewood Studios. I was nominated for an Encore Award here in South Florida. I don't know if you know that, Tom. That was a big thing. No. And then, nice. and then, of course, to have lip sync, you know, my play with Mario that I, we co-wrote, you know, when it made it to the Spotlight Theater Festival in New York and an off, off, off kind of Broadway venue out of 500 scripts, mine was one that was chosen. It was like, that was like, wow. Yeah. I know, but maybe this time I'll make it. <laughs> maybe this time I'll be yeah. lucky. Yeah, I got the hat and I was going to do the twirl in the uh, downtown Fort Lauderdale. You know, you're going to make it after all. Go marry Tyler Moore. But that didn't happen. So I still have the beanie hat. No, I'm kidding. So those those are kind of like little um, check marks or bullet points in my life. They've also urged me to keep going because when you feel so down and then it seems like the universe either to, either cruelly or to give you encouragement says, no, no, you still have it here. Here's somebody. And they give you encouragement. Well, I, one, of the, um, one of the highlights of my, of my career um, was doing the normal heart with you. Oh yeah, and I, I was like, and in particular that moment, what you know, that monologue. So yes. Eston was Bruce, and I was Ned. And there's this this heart, this God. It's a beautiful scene, but it's really a lot. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. Bruce well, I lived it. Having, I lived that. Yeah, yeah. Having to bury his lover in a garbage bag, and it's like it, I, there was something. So it was just a really beautiful moment, and I was like, I don't. I, there's very rare times. Which is why I'm doing this podcast with her because I'd only ever had it with like her, with yeah. Jenny, or like other people um, where you're just in it together. Yeah. 
and it was you know it's where it's almost scary you yeah. know it's like well, and yeah. it's only the two of you in the world and it was a beautiful it was, a, it was one of my highlights as well darling thank you yes. so yes but you know that's when you get those moments you're like okay i do have talent it's it's and i mean i say this with love but i get more encouragement from strangers than the people who say they love me and maybe it's because they're too close to me and they can't really see that because when they see me they see Esten their friend they can't get past that to see me being a character of somebody else because i bring you know and you know this Tom, and I, I think anybody who's an actor knows this you cannot totally divorce, divorce yourself from a character there's a bit of you that's in there it has and I to think, be if it's madness if you do it's like correct. you know pe- so, actors have gone insane trying to do that like thank literally you. So you're right. So there are elements of you. And I think when people who know me or close to me, that's what they see. They don't see me being Bruce. They see me being Esten, being emotional. So a lot of people who are closest to me aren't my biggest fans. I have relatives and friends who have never bought a book, who've never come to a play, that have never followed up on. Right now, I'm I'm collaborating with my friend Charles Baran. We're taking two of my plays that I uh, wrote and we're combining them into a brand new piece called two sips says it all. And you'd be surprised the number of people that are so closest to me that have never even said, so how's that going? So when's that reading? I'd like to be there. I'll be there. I'll support you. I have friends that have never even donated to my charities and in the events, I get more support from strangers than I do those closest to me. It's like, there is, it's our, it's our, it's our human brains. Like if it's not more, if it's marketed as indie or small or doesn't have as big of an audience, like people are just accustomed to thinking that it's only worthy of, of, of sort of like your eyeballs and attention. If it's a big blockbuster well, or if snobs. there's some already yeah. famous person yeah. in it, yeah. you know Theater what I mean? snobs or film yeah. snobs. Yeah. Like right. I have, it's- I have, I have friends who say, Oh, well you're just an extra in the movie. I was in a movie. <laughs> Yeah. I, I work for 14 hours for $40. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no. And it's like, it's like, it's like people need, people need the validation of, of almost need the validation of somebody else telling them that it was good to yeah. be able to sort of open their minds to think that it's good. Yeah. There's not a lot of people out there that are willing to take the risk and like explore new art on their own. And okay. I think it's part of the, that's like kind of part of our challenge as artists that keep trying. And, and it's so scarce. Like there's too much scarcity. Uh, so everybody gets real cutthroat. So instead of us all going in together and creating like a, a shared experience where we all divide it, the, 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 what little we have amongst each other, right? That's what you do would do if you were the Donner party. I mean, right? Wouldn't you come together and share what supplies you had so that, that everyone survived? So well. well, that's because they mm-hmm. shot at the people who tried to bring them supplies. But that's another story. Um but yeah, that's just it. I, so that's why I've kind of done it on my own. I created new, two nonprofits on my own. It's like, you know, uh, what is it? Uh, what was that? The Little Red Hen, who will help me plant these seeds? No, I, not I, not I, who will help me? But whenever the bread was ready, oh, I'll help. No, I did this. No, no, I did it on my own. And then you're vilified for self-aggrandizing. So, Aston, <laughs> in, in, in hindsight now, as... I mean, you're a smart man. You could have gone a lot of different routes. You got master's degrees. Do you look back at all this? I mean, you're looking back at all this. Do you, do you have regret following the arts? Do you regret your arts? Could could you have gone a different route? Uh, Sure. I could have slept with the right men. Um, Do I have any other? (laughs) I slept with all the wrong ones. They were pretty. Um, Perhaps moving back to New York after I graduated college, trying it one more time on the right white way, or maybe moving to LA and giving Hollywood one more chance. But 
Um, I don't. I, 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 I don't think I could have done it any other way based on what the parameters I was given, the limitations that I uh, was boxed into. I mean, God, you know me. I'm a fighter. I've never stopped trying. I mean, I've worked four and five jobs at a time to subsist. I'm not a lazy person, but the opportunities just not yet. And I've even tried to create my own, but it's just been no. Um, and I've even had friends say, well, you should have just become an accountant. I'm dyslexic. I have dyscalculi. Do you know me at all? Me as an accountant? I mean, I've attempted suicide twice. You wanted me to go three third times a charm? I, it's just not who I am. I had another friend who criticized me. Well, you shouldn't have got a degree then in fine arts. You should have had a degree in... I'm like, you're not... Then you don't know me. This is who I am. So I can't have regrets based on skills I wasn't given. Yeah, could have I mm-hmm. gone into law? Could I have gone on and gone into medicine and become a doctor? No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have those skill sets. And I so I tried to flourish in what I was given. Mm-hmm. And I think I've done okay despite, you know, the, <laughs> that welcome mat being, you know, pulled out from under me a couple times. Um, I'm still here. And um, I'm still invited. I mean, I do science fiction conventions. I do book signings. I mean, so within that community, I'm somewhat well known. Well, let's pull on that thread a little bit. Shameless plug time. Okay. Yeah. What, what, so what, what exactly? Let's talk a little bit about the nonprofits. Let's talk about the community that you're trying to build and that hopefully you are building. And I'm sure you are building right now and some of the projects that you're working on. Yes, we have. Where Where can people go see you? Where can people find you on the, on the interwebs? On the interwebs. And buy your books. Yes. And buy your, your books, your special well, your sci-fi books. Yes, my books. Please buy my books so I can pay off my student loans. Um, you can go to, <laughs> God, the crushing debt. It's the interest, not the principal. Um, so if you go to www.erobertdunn.com, that's my official writer's website, you can get links to all of that. Um, I'm on Instagram and Twitter, um, at erobertdunn. And then, of course, Barnes & Noble online and Amazon, Goodreads, etc. So if you type in echelons and E-C-H-E-L-O-N apostrophe S and E-N-D uh, and then E. Robert Dunn, you should be able to get. Now the nonprofits, uh, uh, WOW Charities is wowtv.org and uh, uh, WOW has uh, been hit hard by the pandemic. We actually need board members. We need grant writers. We need fundraising people. So there are there's there's chairs at the table, <coughs> Tom and Jenny, if you'd like to get involved. <laughs> And we don't need to be in Florida because it's an online nonprofit. Uh, we'd like to do uh, live streaming and webcasting of live performances like theater. Uh, so for the people that can't go to those shows, they still can get a membership like PBS and watch it live streamed on their computer, their TV, their smart TV or wherever. And therefore, um, you get a broader audience. You can sell more tickets that way. and You don't need to have a big venue to do it. So you could have like a, th- a 50 seat theater but you could have 500 people watching a thousand people watching the performance because it's being live streamed and that's the grants we're going after and that's the venues that we want to cultivate and especially uh, unknown playwrights or playwrights that are up and coming and struggling to find a platform to get their works produced because they're not you know it's not 42nd street for the 48th time mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? and we like to export art from florida instead of always importing it instead of always trucking it in Right. Uh, there's so much talent in South Florida. Uh, we've lost a lot, but maybe we could tempt it to come back if we could create this platform. So it's uh, we're kind of rebuilding it because of pandemic kind of tore it down because a lot of board members, you know, w- w- we weren't doing anything for three years. 
So we're under a renovation right now. So um, anybody who's interested, um, um, uh, um, if you'd like to get involved, now's the time to do it. Sit down at the table. The last time we can do it virtually. We don't need to face-to-face. And let's build this community, whether it's in North Carolina, whether it's in New York, whether it's in Iowa, wherever your listeners are. Even if it's across the pond, we could do this collectively. We just need the money. So whether we can do a project maybe in Ireland, a project in Canada, we could do those things under, you know, collectively, but especially in the United States as a nonprofit, we could create a theater troupe. We could create a film, you know, our own film Mm -hmm. production company if we wanted to. We just, again, funds and people, Um, the platform's there. It's been built. Any, any um, parting words on the, on the pride front to our community? Are we in a better place than we used to be? As a community ourselves? On some levels, yes. We are light years uh, from where I was a young boy. On other areas, we uh, unfortunately, we're on sand. And there are people that are undermining all of that. Efforts we've gone into integration and community building. And they're separatists. And we've got to to be vigilant. I hate to sound like that. It sounds like this horrible science fiction thing. But we are still in a world of fear and hate and misunderstanding. And there are people that thrive on that. It gives them a purpose in life. I don't know how they live their life, but they wake up every morning finding out what's wrong. They're injustice collectors and they're, uh, I'm better than you because, but like my father used to say, when you point a finger at somebody, you have how many? Three pointing right back at you. So, <laughs> so yes, as a community, we've, we've come a long way. Uh, this younger generation can get married. They can adopt children. Those were never even in my realm of thinking. But I think, yes, we have. We've come a long way. But there's still, I mean, I'm going to go to the Pride Parade and there's still like now, in case there's a shooter, in case you hear, I'm like, this is the world that we live in. This is the world we live in where you have to go to an event and look for the nearest exit. You know, I used to like ignore that when I went to a movie theater. Now I'm like, really? Okay, where's the nearest exit? You know, this is the world we live in. Um, I don't see how that's better. I think when, when I was growing up, that was a better world. Uh, guns were, you know, I grew up in a house full of guns, you know, but they were used for hunting and they were hunting guns. They weren't AK-47s and they weren't military grade. Why you would need to have that, I I don't know. I don't understand. That's, that's, that, that could fill up a whole other podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't understand that so, reality. No, no. But um, as right. gay men, I think, and gay women and uh, with the rest of the alphabet, um, I think we've come a long way in that regard that we have we have in some cities, not everywhere, which is another reason why I stayed in South Florida. I don't have as many choices to move to other cities as uh, my non-gay peers. Um, I can't just move to Horsehead, Arkansas. You know, I could be killed. So I, in that regard, my life has been very limited. It's changing, but uh, we're still not there where, you know, we are not welcomed everywhere. And I would like to see a world in which it doesn't matter who you love, just that you're a good person. Thank you for sharing your story. You're a fascinating and unusual creature and we love you for it. (laughs) I know I I am right. That's when I saw the name of your pod, I went, Tom, that's perfect. Yeah. (laughs) Tom, this is a perfect title for our community. Um, We are, we are, we are unusual creatures and thank God for us because as as vanilla as I am, (laughs) how sad would the world be if we were all, if it was just vanilla? Vanilla with sprinkles at least, Esther. Well, I I definitely, you know, even if you look on that note, if you look at nature, there's not just one species of bird or fish or anything. It's, it's the diversity and the variety that gives life its beauty. And absolutely the, and the expression of that the possibility of where we can go we are stronger uh, being diverse than we are all the same 
Yes. Um, thank you all for listening. Thank you all for being unusual creatures. Please, please continue to like, click, link, comment, find us on the Instagram. On subscribe. The, I, I really, I, subscribe. Please be a subscriber. We're on all the major platforms. Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, we're all over the place. And if you want to reach us personally or reach out to one of our creatures, you can find us on the Unusual Creatures Pod at gmail.com. We want to hear from you. We love you. Thank you, Eston. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you for your generosity. Thank oh, you for thank surviving you. and thriving and showing the kids how to do it correctly. Yes. Anytime. And all of you out there, have a happy Pride House. Have a safe Pride. Yeah. <laughs> sadly, we have to, sadly, we have to say that. But stay vigilant. <laughs> stay vigilant. Stay safe. And keep on being proud. We will see you all next week. Bye. 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 Thanks so much for listening to The Unusual Creatures. We love telling the stories of these creatives, and we hope you love listening to them. You know the drill. Subscriber, you love listening to pods. Send links to your friends and tell everyone you know about this show. And I mean everyone. Counting the minutes until we meet again. And... Hey you! Keep being an unusual creature! <laughs>